Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening I Saw the Light. Night of Cups, The Grand Seduction, The Messenger, Miles Ahead, and more. At the E-Bar on April 20th, see Roxanne Potvin and Aaron Costello. On April 21st, see Full Manchu and Shy Harry. On April 22nd, attend the 4th Annual Guelph Pride Pageant. On April 23rd, James Hammond presents Unrefined Comedy on the Road. And also on April 23rd, it's my dad's birthday. Happy birthday, Dad! The Bookshelf is an independently owned cultural hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph, Ontario. For more information about the Bookshelf's hours, listings, blogs, directions, accessibility, and to order books from their online store from anywhere in the world, possibly for my dad on his birthday, please visit the newly designed bookshelf.ca. This episode is brought to you by Pizza Trocadero, the finest pizzeria in all of Guelph, Ontario. They've got delicious gourmet pizzas or choose from an array of fresh ingredients and make whatever you like. Calzones, wings, panzerottis, salads, breadsticks, garlic bread. Pizza Trocadero has it all. You can find them at 7 Municipal Street in Guelph or visit them online at trocaderoguelph.ca. That's T-R-O-K-A-D-E-R-O-G-U-E-L-P-H dot C-A. Call them at 519-829-2444 for pickup or delivery. That's Pizza Trocadero, a place of the good trade. Creative Control with Beesh Oh, 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 
Lisa Huron and Mike Andre are two-thirds of a wonderfully sharp band called Puff Pieces. Based in Washington, D.C., Puff Pieces write very catchy, somewhat minimal punk songs that are pointed and clever. Their new album is called Bland in D.C. and is out now via Love It Records. Here to discuss some of the things I just said are Amanda and Mike of Puff Pieces. Uh, Hello, Amanda. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. And Mike, are you there? How are you? I'm good. I'm I'm good. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Now, where, where are you guys right now? We are uh, sitting on our couch in Washington, D.C. How, how are things in, in Washington, D.C.? Uh, well, the cherry blossoms are all blooming perfectly right now, so that's kind of lovely. Right. Uh, good, that, that's, that's a good time to chop them down? Is that, <laughs> that historically that's what I think happens with cherry blossoms? Am I wrong? Who did that? Wasn't that a thing? That so was that's a, George Washington. That's right, that guy. The cherry he, tree. Yeah. No, you're right. And actually, there's no mention of, I don't know if they, you know, what time of year that was supposed to have happened, if it was like in full blossom or not. I don't know. It's, I bet it was. He's, he sounded like a heartless individual. <laughs> Just chopping down trees when they're right. in full bloom. Yeah. Now, uh, what's the general mood of the, the city these days? Because obviously we're all paying attention to the political landscape. Uh, House of Cards season four is out. <laughs> So, and my wife and I are watching it. Uh, we're deeply engrossed in that stupid show. How are things going in D.C.? That's a good question. I mean, it's, you know, the whole sort of like national politics side of the city can feel kind of removed if you are someone like us who grew up here and or grew up in this, in this, in a, in a world that was not about that so much. Um so sometimes it feels kind of distant, uh, but at the same time, I mean, you can't really stop thinking about the the horror of of Donald Trump and uh, various other people. Um, but so, I don't know if that's different from anyone else in the country or around the country, you know, um, or around the world. <laughs> I was going to say around the world, we are all yeah. feeling yeah. the horror, right, uh, <laughs> and the confusion. Yeah. But I just, yeah. you guys are technically you're in the heart of it. In a way, we are, and it's interesting always when it's it's true. Like people know stuff about my city who don't like people who don't live here know stuff about Guelph that I'm like, is that a thing here? I didn't know that. I don't even pay attention to that because right. I'm just doing my thing. But you, so you're you feel almost insulated, even though you're in the seat of power. Right. I mean, I mean, did you know anybody who works in the government in the federal government? You know, it's funny. I uh, well, actually, my stepmom has worked in a federal government position for um, the past few years. But, that I mean, other than that, I've never... Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really know anyone who works... No, I mean, I've met more people recently who, who work in federal government agencies and stuff. But for the most part, we're not really um, connected to that world of people who come to D.C. to work for the federal government. It's kind of like a separate social sphere almost, you know. And it's funny because people who move to D.C. for for work, um, when they meet someone like me who grew up in the city, they invariably say, oh, my God, no one's from here. You never meet anyone from here. And I'm like, all of my friends are from here, right, you know. Right. And it just depends what social world you run in, you know. So it's like if you move here... For a job, then you're probably only going to hang out with other people who move here for a job. So, so it can get a little bit like um, 
you know, it's a very segregated city in a lot of ways. <laughs> and that's one of the well, ways. Well, it's, it's a segregated city. It's also, I think it's fair to say, a transient city. I mean, that's what you're hearing from these people, right? They're coming in and out depending on their, in terms of government stuff, they're elected and then they're not, right? So people are kind of coming and going a lot. Do you have a sense of what keeps you in the city? I mean, are you both born and raised there? I was born and raised here. Um, Mike was born and raised nearby. Yeah, I'm from Annapolis, Maryland, which is about a town, sort of 40 minutes drive from DC. Right, and so do, do you have what? What do you do? What do you do in the city besides play music? Do you do other stuff? Yeah, I um, teach at at the University of the District of Columbia, which is like the local public uh, university in town. Okay, and um, and I've been doing that for four years, just about. Um, mm. So that's one of the main things I do, I guess, besides playing music. And yeah, and as to what keeps us here, it's really like our, trees. Our, trees, yeah, yeah. trees. <laughs> well, all the trees. Right. DC has the tons of trees. It's a city that's like filled with trees. Actually, there's a book called DC City of Trees or something like that about all the trees in DC. It has like way more trees than normal comparatively sized cities. It's true. It's just it's like tr- packed with trees. Yeah, even if you're driving um, along the like highways or freeways, whatever you guys call them in America. Uh, we call them highways, but even when you're driving along them, I notice they're like laden with forestry, with trees. It's it, it seems to be an important part of uh, the city. You know, it's yeah. almost like we live in a forest, but there's like a city kind of interspersed in there. You know, right? It's kind of it's kind of awesome. I really don't think there's another city in in, in the United States of this size that I've been in that has as many trees at all. It's really just like there's so many trees, and there's a big park called Rock Creek Park, kind of right in the center, that's packed with tons of trees. It's like really big park. So you can look, it looks like, you know, this, you walk this on this bridge over and it's like this mist shrouded forest. Sure. Um, it's a magical, so it's cool. magical forest, basically? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Most definitely. Now you you yeah. mentioned you're insulated from some of the, the political stuff on some level. I can't help but hear the bigger picture stuff that has to do with politics in your music is it fair to say that the corruption the kind of materialistic aspects of of the world these kinds of things seem to be informing puff pieces songs right yeah i mean i would say there's definitely a um a pretty strong anti-capitalist thing going on in terms of our songs. We're at least just skeptical of. Or skeptical. Okay, skeptical of capitalism. Uh, what makes you skeptical of, of capitalism? It seems to be working just fine. <laughs> I guess I guess what makes me skeptical is I don't understand how... I feel like it'll destroy the environment eventually. Like, that's sort of like how it would probably work. Um, so, yeah, that makes me nervous. Well, isn't it, it. Wait a minute. Isn't, that, isn't it doing it now? It's doing that now. Well, yeah, yeah, but it's hard to understand how it would stop stop destroying the environment, you know. So, yeah. And yet, for some reason, the citizens of your country, so some of them, seem to be of the opinion that it would be better to to place power in the hands of a businessman than politicians. It's gone to a point where there's such mistrust of intellect and knowledge that people are willing to just be like i'm going to trust the person who made the money why is that a thing oh god yeah i mean that's a good question i I don't i don't expect you to answer it this is not your specialty (laughs) per se but as people 
in the country that we're all in, not only in the country, basically in the city that we're ultimately yeah. everyone's talking about. I can't help but defer yeah. to you for some perspective on this. <laughs> you know, though, I mean, I'm not even that politically savvy in any kind of way, but what the little bit I know about stuff, what it reminds me of is like, I think we're in this like incredibly decadent cultural moment. And it reminds me of Germany before Hitler rose to power, which was also this really decadent cultural moment where you had these people who were kind of not doing well financially, humiliated, really angry, um, looking for a scapegoat or looking for someone to kind of like sell them a crazy dream of some type of transcendence. And um, it sort of reminds me of the same thing, you know, so. But. And I know that this is going to be different from person to person, from state to state, and situation to situation. Things are not... Things are bad. Things sound to, seem to be quite bad in your country. They do not seem to be as bad as post-World War One Germany. And are oh, they? Are, are, <laughs> no, I, no, no, no. I don't think so. But, I, well, I mean, I don't think so as far as, like, people having money and be able to, able to go to the supermarket and, like, um, you know, get food and stuff like that. But in terms of like how people's brains are relating to reality, I think things are pretty weird right now because of like huge um, explosion of technology and of information moving around really fast. I think it's like kind of cooking people's right. brains. So I think it's like profoundly um, sort of destabilizing in a way, like people have a hard time relating to it. So um, yeah, so I think that creates a sort of culturally decadent kind of situation. But you also live in a city that is, 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 we're told that it encapsulates, it's not that you hear these politicians, the ones that are, you know, tea partiers or whatever, and they say things like, blame Washington, they're not even saying blame the politicians in Washington anymore. Your city is the stand-in for everything wrong. Blame Washington for this. We've got to cut down on Washington. Like, how does that make you feel Everyone's bad-mouthing your entire city. Well, I think, you know, it's interesting because a lot of many different kinds of people really love to hate Washington, D.C. And that's one of the things, and, and maybe that was more the case, I mean, it's changed over the years who has really loved to hate this city. Um, I think, you know, at, a cert, at, at one point when we were a majority black city and were run by black people um, more so than we are today, um, there were a lot of white Southern congressmen who who hated this city because they hated seeing the nation's capital run by mm-hmm. by African Americans. Um, today, you know, we've we have we've always had people who are sort of suspicious of quote unquote big government who hate the city. Um, you know, there's been a lot of um, of punk rock kids over the years who have hated the city because they've seen it as I don't know representing something that felt alienating to them or something. Um, and so it's, I mean, it, it's it's funny to be somewhere that is so, that creates such a strong reaction in so many people. Um, but in terms of how I feel about it, I mean, I'm pretty used to it. You know, you kind of, you kind of get used to knowing that people are going to feel this like irrational hatred towards the place that you're from. And I, I think that's part of what... Um, makes those of us who are from here kind of uh stick right. together because <laughs> you want to because you know that you actually come from a really culturally interesting and uh very 
fascinating, fascinating place, fascinating in its contradictions, um, and really in its, in its history. And, um, and so it's like, you all know that, and you don't worry too much about, about what people say, what people's perceptions are. Right. I mean, among the many things I, I tend to admire about Ian Mackay is that he's very outspoken about the fact that that is his city. He's never left yeah. uh, really, and 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 it's important to him to to stand up for that. And I I'm relating to that more and more as I enter the twentieth year of living in the same town. Of like people are mm-hmm. like, when are you going to move to the Toronto? And I'm sure you get like um, at some point in your life, people are like, when are you going to move to New York or a bigger city? I mean, Washington D.C. is a big city, but for some reason, it's still an outlier, right? Yeah. Well, it's not that big. It's about like 600,000, 660,000. Oh, there you go. People. Right. It's it's yeah. actually it's rather yeah. small. So people it is pretty small. when you do the stuff that you guys are doing, people assume they have to go to one of the hotbeds of the industry, right? Like yeah. New York or LA. And so I always uh, appreciate it when people stay in the city uh they're in. And uh, I mean, among the reasons we're talking so much about DC is that you've you've actually named your album Bland in <laughs> Bland in DC. Like you've actually highlighted uh, the, the the city on some level. You've made a reference to the bad brains, yeah, obviously. But what does that mean to you? <laughs> is there another? Is there a double meaning behind that? Uh, that it's like a quadruple meaning, yeah, or, or even more, yeah. <laughs> As many meanings, some layers. <laughs> As many layers, yeah. I mean, it's certainly. Um, uh, a, I mean, <laughs> the title in some ways is a little bit of an inside joke with the uh, people who would get that joke um, in terms of thinking about the sort of homage to Bad Brains um, and to sort of the punk in general that came before here in D.C. And it's also meant to kind of, meant to kind of evoke this uh, sort of sense that we have about the city as a result of the um, massive, massive gentrification of the city that's been going on for about the past 10 to 15 years in this most recent wave of gentrification. Right. But I mean, this gentrification that you're talking about is going on in lots of cities, isn't it? I mean, yeah. And it's sort of weirdly, I mean, gentrification has uh, certainly a connotation, but it seems like I don't know how to explain this properly because maybe I'm uh, thinking of the word incorrectly, but it's weird to me that, the different cities that uh, that uh, embark upon gentrification all end up looking alike, right? Which and was kind of bland. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, right. Which was kind of what was happening with the big boxification of retail, where every you could you know there would be a strip in every city that basically looked the same. But now it's the gentrification thing is a bit cutesier. Like it's the artisanal pizza shop and coffee place in every city is the same like the same hipstery kind of i don't mean to use that word but you know what i mean yeah that's weird that's insidious it's like they figured out well they're saying everything's the same so let's figure out a way to make everything the same but make them still feel like they're special yeah totally i mean mike and i just last night were um went out to see some friends of ours play music and we passed by this this new store um in this more sort of downtown neighborhood in DC and the store is called salt and sundry. And I was like, what the hell are they selling at salt and sundry? And it's, I've never been in there, but it (laughs) it appeared from the outside to be some sort of like home furnishing store. And, and that the home furnishings thing, man, that is what's all the rage, you know, in, in, in terms of 
these these new kinds of stores that are serving these new kinds of people who just have massive amounts of disposable wealth. Right. I mean, lest, lest anyone who doesn't know your band and is listening to this misunderstand, you guys are very funny. <laughs> like, you're, right. you, you apply... Don't, aren't you? Maybe I'm wrong. You seem to be applying humor to your critiques, your sociopolitical critiques. Is that accurate? It's, it's satire. Yeah, I mean, so, so doing a sociopolitical critique is like a secondary concern. I think the humor would be probably the primary concern. Right, yeah. and, and can, you, can you kind of enca- encapsulate uh, how you do this? Because like, you, you've done a thing, and uh, forgive me if this is insulting in any way. Just to, I'm trying to figure out a way to describe your band without offending you. But I, I sense <laughs> Go for there's, it. <laughs> you seem to have uh, arrived at a sound uh, where there. And so it, when you listen to this record, for example, as the songs unfold, there seems to be a deliberate sameness to them. Is that is that insulting? No, I mean, do you mean the songs don't change a lot? Well, there's that, and they each seem to have kind of like the Ramones or something. There's like a, a unique characteristic that is idiosyncratic to your band. They do change, yeah. I guess on some level, I am sort of saying that, but I don't. I can I can differentiate between the songs. That's not the issue. But you seem to have honed a, a particular kind of sound, and it's a little funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not insulted by that. <laughs> I, it was a roundabout way of trying. I was trying desperately. I was just tiptoeing through my attempt at pigeonholing your band. Well, you know, we're, we're um, what am I? I'm 41. We're, we're up in our 40s. And if when you're playing rock and roll when you're in your 40s, it's like it has a touch of the ridiculous about it. So you, you, you should craft a sound that, like, you know, reflects that ridiculousness and bounces it around in a playful, energetic way. Because you kind of can't, like hide the slight ridiculousness of you know prancing around the stage when you're in your 40s yeah sure that that's i can totally dig that i understand what you're so saying. Um, it's like the absurdity is like you know find some find some joy in it and like you know let it do its thing that's sort of um maybe the maybe the you know maybe the motto that we're right and i feel like some of this was maybe i don't did you hear the last uh chain of the gang record uh, Min- minimal rock and roll We've seen them play a bunch. I'm sure I've heard that the record. Certainly heard bits and pieces of it, at least. Right. Okay, well, all this to say, Ian Svenonius sort of seems to do a similar thing. He he arrives at a sound and and then I think is embracing the absurdity of and ridiculousness of rock and roll, but kind of packaging it as a as a cohesive thing. Now you guys seem to be doing this consciously. Are you saying it's just out of some self-consciousness about how absurd it is that you're still making rock and no, roll? No, I mean, a lot, of it, a lot of it, the pieces just fall where they fall. So it's like we're dealing with these musical elements and trying to put them together in a way that works. And a lot of it is um, sort of you hit upon something that seems to kind of work. It's, in other words, it's not all this like master planned out type of thing. But you seem to have struck some in-between point between, I don't know, let's say Devo and maybe... I'm trying not to insult anyone. And maybe Dead Kennedys or something. Yeah. Like what is, I can't figure out the sound exactly, but I think that's sort of where it is. Yeah. You know, I appreciate you bringing up the humor. Most people bring up the anxiety kind of thing. <laughs> that's um, right. and, I, and, I, and I tell them, I'm like, well, do you understand that there's humor here? Um, 
do you get it? You know, and they're kind of like, what? No, it's like this fierce anxiety. But um, I mean, I, and that's there. But like, you know, like a more... like a like a like a, a mid period or early Woody Allen film has both of those things too. Yeah, I'm not saying you're that's that's a valid comparison, but anxiety and humor are kind of Seinfeld. It's all like all, all of the contemporary humor is really laced with anxiety. Yeah, that's true. Because you're laughing in the face of terror. And I mean, on some level, when you your songs are like when you have pointless people or March of the Idiots or object accumulation, like they're funny. It's funny, but I gather that you're making social commentary, and within that, there's tension. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 That's the fair, thing is, it's like with the humor too. I mean, a lot of like in writing the music for this stuff, a lot of it is just try to make a beat that like rocks, make the beat really rock. Like, and what. And there's certain attitudes that actually, the kind of musical materials that you use when you have a attitude in your head of sort of um, humor tends to make the beats rock more than if you do of one of like kind of like profound doleful sorrow. You know that doesn't that doesn't make the beats rock as much. So um, yeah, you know. Well, we we are in a weird point in terms of satire and its efficacy i've talked about this on the show a few times and sometimes i feel like i've talked about it too much but uh sometimes people uh, particularly critics or, or people who are critical employ humor as a way of highlighting the absurdity of something um but i'm starting to see that that's not and in doing so i think there's uh an invocation of maybe this shouldn't be like this like kind of like see how stupid this is we shouldn't be acting like this anymore, everyone. Right. And I feel like the efficacy of that is starting to diminish. Uh-huh. Where, where, like, for example, I haven't said his name yet. I don't think you have either. But the current frontrunner for the Republican Party, like, everything that's going on, it's very dangerous. It's very dark and evil. But it, you couldn't make up how absurd it is. Uh, like, the, the, the chaos of it comes from some... Someone somewhere has written this out, and it could not be funnier and darker. But we're living; it's real. It's a real thing, and it's frightening. So we're at this point where I don't know how we 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 brush things off with a joke anymore. But that's maybe I'm. That sounds hopeless, doesn't it? Well, I mean, there's a there's a few things there. One is, I mean, I think like. It sort of gets at like a larger question of like what's the you know what are we trying to do with art you know, and so like when you're making art you know what are what are you trying to do with it Um, and I think there's certain things that that we want to do with with art and music um, and there's certain things that are probably better addressed in other spheres like uh, spheres of like political organizing or community organizing. and that stuff can certainly overlap with art and music and does all the time. But I don't know how much, you know, I mean, I, if, if we're writing a song and we've got lyrics that are have a certain humor to them, but also a certain kind of um, expression of frustration at, at the way society is now and at the sort of horrors of that, um, I mean, I, I don't know that just playing that song is the way to, like, solve that problem. But, you know, if there's other ways that we're involved in the world to address some of those problems, that's that's another matter, you know? But didn't there, it used to be, didn't it used to be a thing where 
if you wrote a song, it would solve the problem. Remember when Jimi Hendrix played Star Spangled Banner? There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Woodstock. Everything was better after that. I think, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure. I think everything was much better after that. That's what I remember. So I, 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 I feel like you have more power sometimes than you realize uh, as an artist and. But I do also feel like maybe that's part of it too. Right? This is a—it gets into a weird. Suddenly, we're debating at a university uh, or something where I'm just trying to figure <laughs> out how we can be effective in our messaging. Um, because it doesn't seem like that's the point of what you're doing. You're you're making sharp observations, but you're trying to have fun, mostly. Yeah, and and I think we're if we're trying to do something, it's we're trying to be a band and be in the world in a way that feels like the the right I don't know like like a good a way that feels good in a way that feels like it's you know not harmful to other people sure. we're trying to we're trying to operate in a way that um that uh that feels that feels right to us so um part of it is 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 that is sort of the context that's created for like the kinds of shows that we play or you know just this sort of whole network punk network that we're a part of and you know supporting other friends who are also making music and just trying to live and not, you know, be depressed or whatever, you know. Yeah, no, that um, makes that's part of that it makes too. that you you are galvanized as members of a community, uh artistic community it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. And also trying there's we're, we're trying to be. Yeah. I mean, and there's stuff like and this is like minimal, but I mean, for instance, we're playing a record release show here in DC in a, um at the end of April. And it's going to be a benefit for a local um, housing organization in the city um, that works on issues of tenants' rights. And so to do that kind of thing is important to us. And again, that's minimal. It's not like we're going to raise some huge amount of money for these tenants, but it's a way to try to support other small-scale organizing efforts that are going on here that... um, that we think are important. Well, I mean, this is a a common theme among... uh people who want to affect political change is that on the local level is where you actually do any real work. Yeah. And it sounds like you're kind of, yeah, I mean, you may not raise a ton of money, but that kind of local work is potentially more impactful than if you guys were playing the halftime show at the Super Bowl <laughs> and trying yeah. to, well, maybe that's a bad example. There are a lot of people watch that game. So if you were to, I don't know why you're not doing that. <laughs> that would probably be more impactful, <laughs> really. <laughs> I uh, first heard about your band when I spoke with uh, Ryan Nelson. 
Oh yeah, of yeah. soccer team. He was raving about your band. He was saying you're. Uh, I feel like he said you maybe were the best band in Washington D.C. I don't mean to uh, put you on the spot, but he said people were very excited about your band uh, locally. Is that is that fair? It's a nice thing to say. Um. <laughs> are you aware? Like, if you play a, cl- a club or a show, are are people coming out? Are they excited? Yeah, I guess so. It's a little hard to tell. I mean, when this band started, the sort of idea. I, Generally, like, there's these bands that crop up of people who are around in their 40s who used to be in other bands before, and usually they play, like, five or six shows and then kind of disappear, you know? It's sort of this, like, um, sort of very small-scale type of thing. And I sort of thought that was going to be us. Like, we probably probably do that. But um, it seems like there's some kind of inertia that, you know, people draw, grabbing on a little bit and wanting to hear type of thing that um, makes it so it's been a little a little more than that. You know, um, so yeah. Now, where did Puff Pieces actually sort of come from? You you were alluding to the fact that, uh, the, or you were alluding to the idea of when you started and why you started. But do you, can you talk a bit about where this band came from? Yeah, um, Justin and I. Justin is the guitarist of Puff Pieces, and he and I used to be in a band called Antelope that toured a lot and did a lot of stuff. And uh, that band broke up and. About a year later, after we'd sort of like, you know, set aside some of our like animosity or whatever, um, we started playing music again together and it didn't work very well. But in that process, I'd written a bunch of songs. And um, so I kind of asked Amanda to play drums on him and Justin was going to record us, I think. And I sort of overdubbed some things. He recorded us because I just wanted to get the songs recorded and out of the way and off my chest sort of forever, you know. Sure, and, um, sure. And then he was kind of, I don't know, we were getting along good, so we sort of proposed that we play five or six songs. At, at that time, Amanda and I were going to move to China. We are getting ready to move to China. So we're going to, like, let's play a few shows, and then we're going to move to China, and then it'll be done, you know? Um, but we didn't end up moving to China, and so we just kind of kept on, like, sort of limping along and playing shows. Um, what is yeah. it, what is it mm-hmm. with you Americans and saying China? You just seem to like saying China a lot. I've been hearing this Donald Trump. He just talks about China all the time. And now you, we were on to China yeah. way before Donald Trump. Okay. Was China. <laughs> all right. I just am confused. You just seem your whole country seems obsessed with China. It's like yeah. it's on the opposite side of the globe. Like the, I guess it is for you too. But, you yeah, know. we're the same. Yeah, we're basically. if you go straight through the earth, like bam, China. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Why are we going to go to China? That's interesting. Uh, why are we going to go to China? Um, Mike had had a long-standing interest in China. Um, Mike and I had been studying Mandarin for a couple of years. Oh. Um, and then I was finishing my, my PhD in 2012, and um, and I didn't really feel like looking for a job uh, in the U.S. It's like a whole hellish process, the whole like looking for an academic job thing, and I didn't really want to engage in it <laughs> it's the same it's um, the same here in canada yeah i imagine <laughs> right it's the same everywhere and there's like it's worse there's people here places. trying to find in fact there's probably uh canadians stealing your american academic jobs uh trying to anyway i'm sure they are yeah. damn it um no i actually know a lot of wonderful canadians because I'm, I'm in geography and there's lots of wonderful canadian geographers but um anyway so so i i somehow managed to get this bizarre um one-year job posting in China in uh, a city called Shenzhen, which is in southern China, right near Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And um, and so it was all set. We were going to, I was going to finish this PhD, and then we were going to move straight to China for a year. 
and just hang out in China for a year. But I ended up applying, I ended up finding about this one job at this local university here in DC that, that was hiring. And, and so I applied for that job and I ended up getting that job. And that job was like a long-term deal. So we decided not to go okay, to China. Okay, okay. So that yeah, explains yeah. that. But you So that's that's that, that's You were almost yeah. in China. So you you decided not to stay in uh, or rather you decided to stay in DC and, and so the band was So the band just kept going just kind of by default cuz like we're like, "Oh, now we're still here. Oh, okay. Should we keep playing?" I mean, we had played a couple shows early on and then we didn't play for like 6 months or something. It was kind of stop start for a right. while. The beginning. And did you articulate uh, Mike, you mentioned that humor was of more import than uh, the anxiety. Uh, <laughs> did you articulate that? Did you sort of say, like, we let's make this band kind of funny? No, we didn't discuss it. Although, although I got to say, Ju- Justin, um, the other member of the band, his his big criticism of the band we were in before was that we didn't have humor, and it was the one that really stuck. You know, it was the one that always was in my head a little bit. Um, but we never really talked about it. No. Yeah, well, being uh, employing humor is risky. It's about the riskiest. You know, anyone can be very serious. I think almost yeah. anyone. Uh, but to actually attempt to be funny and pull it off uh, is very yeah. difficult. I th- uh, at least it is f- for me. Um, I try so hard. <laughs> it doesn't ever work out. But uh, have you found it difficult uh, to like? Are you because when you get into comedy? Uh, the ultimate uh, judgment is with the, the way the joke is received. Have you have you been surprised at things that didn't fly, so to speak? Well, I'm not a real jokester in normal life. Like, um, I don't. I just. I guess these lyrics are kind of maybe sort of funny, you know. Um, well, and the phrasing of like something like psychological <laughs> test or whatever <laughs> is uh, hilarious. Like, it gets it's it's funny. I mean, it's kind of dark but it, it, it also gets in my head <laughs> like a psychological test is supposed to I guess the thing is I don't uh, really know what flies with people and what doesn't because the record hasn't really been out well I guess this, the seven inches out but like you know people will see us playing these songs but they don't necessarily know what I'm saying it's just like you know um, so the record comes out April 1st and maybe people will have some response to lyrics or something I, I don't know you know yeah, okay, so you haven't gotten that feedback. What about, like, from your peers or locally? Like, do you uh, get, uh, uh, like, do people talk to you about what you're talking about? Some guy talked to me about the song Mindhead um, at the show the other day, and he wanted to he wanted to know what it was about. So, yeah, I had one, I guess I've had that conversation, yeah. And so is that difficult for you to be like, well, Mindhead is totally about this. Like, can you do Well, that? I can't be like, it's totally about this, but I started to talk about, you know, some of the things where it came from and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So kind of like give, give them some doors into it, you know? Is it, is it related to the band, The Doors? <laughs> it's actually related to the move, this movie called Bowfinger starring Eddie Murphy. Oh, right. It's, well, it steals, it steals something from Bowfinger. That, I mean, the, the title Mindhead is from, there's this kind of like Scientology-like cult called Mindhead that he's sort of like being manipulated by and, um, you know who so you I, know who else is in Bowfinger is Steve Martin. Yeah, I just like that you only said Eddie Murphy. I, it's almost <laughs> it's almost commendable, but Steve Martin is also a key uh, actor in that yeah. movie. 
and yeah. you're like the the Eddie Murphy vehicle Bowfinger. I well, because Eddie Murphy's character is is like being like one of his characters. He plays two characters that's right. in it. That's and right. Kind of a nerd and kind of like a cool actor who's being manipulated. But anyways, the the cool actor guy is being manipulated by this like mind you know sinister mind head organization. Right. So, right. Uh, okay. That that's that's fair. Now so. Did you have particular, uh, also melding music and comedy can be difficult. Are there particular uh, people that you admire who have been successful at that? Well, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, what comes to, you know, I'm not a fan of Broadway musicals, but what comes to the top, what comes to my brain, like when you mention that, is that like Broadway musicals always have these kind of like, well, not always, but they seem to have these kind of like witty, um, they keep the wit flowing, these sort of witty lyrics all the time right. with good rhymes. Um, so I think that's what I aspire to, kind of, you know. I actually, I actually want to do that. I, w- I want to write Broadway musical, like lyrics, just the lyrics, not the music. Couldn't you write a, um, a puff pieces album that is sort of conceptual, and then uh, uh, someone hears it and is like, "I'm turning this into a musical." Couldn't that happen? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, that that would be that would be a cool project. <laughs> is there is there actually a through line between the the material on uh, Bland and DC? Is there something recurring? Is there something that connects the songs no not really not conceptually no are you averse to conception uh, to uh, to conceptual uh, frameworks such as that no I'm, I mean the, the next record is kind of coming together and I'm sort of like there's sort of a, a vibe to it which I'm sort of like seeing if a kind of conceptual type of thing arises out of it okay. Um, so yeah okay now in in one of the things that's interesting is that Punk kind of emerged as an irreverent form of music, but then it got very serious. Uh, some would say self-serious, and I'm, I'm obviously generalizing and bypassing lots of twists and turns. But when you're operating in this uh, kind of aesthetic, humor is can be slippery. It's a slippery slope, right? People don't necessarily take humor in music all that seriously. Have you found that? I think with music, being taken seriously is bad. Um, to a degree. It's like, I I spent a lot of time listening to Bach, you know, and um, he's a, he's, he was really good at writing music. And for a long time, it was real hard for me to really get it because I'd engage the music with this heavy kind of attitude of, oh, this is like great music, great, great, you know, great works of art, blah, blah. <laughs> and that kind of put a kind of mental prison on me where I couldn't quite... Um, get the music really as as it was coming up and um you kind of got psyched out yeah kind of yeah it's kind of it makes the mind too sort of like blocky and unwieldy and um don't you need to have like real quick sensitive reactions to like be with the music um so i'm i'm skeptical of you know being taken really seriously seems like maybe not always the best and 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 i feel like pop pieces songs are presented generally very humorously uh is that to make them more accessible like the content of them a bit more accessible you've packaged them in these very infectious uh ways and 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 yet inside as we've kind of discussed in, within the songs i think there's these loaded metaphors and loaded ideas is that purposeful are you nefarious are you is this an ins- when you say when you say they're packaged in um whatever kind of ways do you mean the music? Is that what you mean by the packaging? Yeah, I refer to the music as the packaging, yes. Because mm, okay. the lyrical content, I think, is sharp and pointed in some ways, and it's funny. 
but uh, it's also like it just comes as I tried to very delicately suggest earlier you have seemed to have constructed your own particular sound that seems deliberate on some level like you've made a product and you're shoving your ideas down people's throats with your amazing product I don't know if I would quite put it like shoving the ideas down their throats <laughs> with our amazing product I, I mean it's it's um because I do because I think well, I don't know. I mean, I mean, we'll see what people think, I suppose. But but it does seem a little bit more lighthearted than that. Um, yes, of course. I was trying to make yeah. a. I was over the top. Obviously, okay, I was it. trying to make it seem like Pup Pieces was an evil corporation, and that you had just created this mass product. But it, it backfired in my face. Forgive me. Forgive me for um, taking it too seriously. No, no. You know. Also, it's like you, you, the way you're looking at it is that kind of like the. The lyrics are the thing, and the right. music is kind of this thing that goes around the lyrics. But it, it's the other way around. It's like the music gets written, and that's like this intense process. That's like that's where it's all at. And then the lyrics are kind of like practically an afterthought. Oh, interesting. Like they just sort of, they just sort of arise out of the music. You know, I kind of, the melody is like this. You know, and then I'm like, it reminds me of this word, and then I just kind of started <laughs> put it together. You know, it's kind of like not even the thing it's just kind of like the lyrics are reflecting the music rather than the other way around more more or less well that's know? that's interesting to hear because one of the things i really enjoy is the bass playing there's some very bouncy bass playing it's very fun yeah yeah who whose idea was it to make the bass playing so bouncy <laughs> well i'm playing well, the mike bass, plays so. bass so oh okay yeah amanda he's you, bouncing along he's bouncing you there. play you yeah. play the drums right i play the drums yeah so how is it fun to play with such a a bouncy bass player? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fun to play drums in this band because it's it's very different than... I mean, I've played drums for a very long time at this point, but it's... um, This band is, like, way... The drumming is way more stripped down um, and more, like, simple almost in a way. Um, but it's, like, a really nice opportunity to be real, like, hard-hitting, which I really... I really like to, to rock, you know, so it's really fun... To play drums in this band. Yeah, no, it's not, that's just it. Like, I just wanted, I wanted to be, I've tried to clarify this earlier. We were having very serious discussions, but this is a very fun band, and that's why <laughs> I liked it when I listened to your Bandcamp page and I ordered the single, because I just liked it so much. It was very fun. <laughs> uh, do you guys do a lot of touring? No. Do you ever tour? We have played maybe three out-of-town weekends, I guess. Um, You're weekend warriors, it sounds like. Yes, yeah, we really are. We really are. We're it's weekend true. warriors. It's true. I mean, we do want to go on some longer jaunts. You know, we'd like to go to Chicago and back. That's like one of our big dreams. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, we'd like to go to Europe, stuff like that. But, um, but we're not, yeah, we don't have anything big planned for that. I noticed that you did not mention Canada. I would love to come to Canada. Yeah. We should figure I mean, we should figure this out. I'd like to bring you yeah, to Canada. Yeah. No, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Cuz I mean, Canada's all right. Canada's great. Have you been to Canada before? I have my mom used to live in Canada. Her mom became a Canadian my citizen. My mom became a Canadian citizen. Oh, where did she live? She, she lived in Nova Scotia. Oh, it's a lovely for, lovely province. For several years yeah four years maybe and then she and my stepdad um lived in montreal for a couple years and they were they weren't canadian citizens but they were permanent residents um 
Yeah. Oh, it's lovely up here. So, well, you should come. You should. You guys should come up here and play. I think you'd be very well received. I, it would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I like Canada. So you, Mike, you mentioned you're already at work at a new record. Yeah, we sort of have the songs for the next record, I think, um, and they're sort of getting, you know, finalized and some of the structures put together and some lyrics put on them and stuff like that. Okay. So, but I mean, geez, I gather like I asked you a bunch of reception questions. This band is rather young. You know, we are, but um, we recorded this record that's coming out on April 1st. We recorded it in September of 2014, so it's like a year and a half ago. Oh, right. you got to reacquaint um, yourself so with it. It's kind of like, I mean, we, we, you know, we still play all the songs and everything, but they were written quite some time ago at this point. So we have a lot of new stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I guess in some ways we are young, but like we said before, it was kind of stop start at right. the beginning. So. So, I mean, some of these songs are older. Uh, uh, does that mean that they might be a bit dated? Like, you have a song called Pointless People. Uh, do people have more of a point now? <laughs> I, I wish they did. Some, some people, maybe. <laughs> some <of them> <laughs> are the flowers less wondrous? Like, I, I just wonder no, if... No, 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 no. The flowers Especially are... Especially right now, yeah. The flowers are totally wondrous. Simply yeah. wondrous. <laughs> well, it's a, it's, a, it's a great record, and I, I congratulate you on it, and I hope uh, that people will listen to this Land in D.C. by Puff Pieces, because it's great. And uh, I want to thank you both for your time, and I, I want to tell people that for more information about the... Actually, why don't you help me with this? Where should people go if they want to learn more about Puff Pieces? Probably the best place. I mean, we have a Facebook page, so there's that. But um, we also have a Tumblr website thing, which is just puffpiecesband.tumblr.com. And a Bandcamp page. And we have a Bandcamp page. Right. Yep. Okay, so people can just look up. What Puff Pieces is a, it reminds me of uh, Cheese Puffs. You know the oh. what, I don't know what is that is that an allusion to something? Like if you Google pup pieces, are you well, in for a rude awakening? <laughs> no, I think I think someone's got some kind of what is it like clothing company pup pieces? Um, you know, it's like a in journalism, it's called oh a right, of course, it's a story right. about like you know, sort of like you know something not of important, course, of course. Know? I didn't even I figured that's you know what, and I I blanked on that. That is totally <laughs> that thing. is that a is, critical. It's critical. Is, is, <laughs> it, are, 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 is that an, an interest of yours? Uh, people, is journalism an interest of yours, in, per se? No, no. But um, Justin, the guitarist, is a journalist. He works for. The oh, place. interesting. Justin Moyer. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Well, uh, I want to thank you for being on the show. Is there a song uh, from Bland in DC that we can go out on? How about Wondrous Flowers? Okay. Why did that come to mind? I guess because you just mentioned it, and 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 because there's so many. Wondrous flowers. Spring here in DC. Spring here here in the beautiful city of Washington DC. Now your record's coming out on April first, which is a, a day that people are often tricked and <laughs> <Right>. fooled. But <laughs> April uh, is among the springiest of all the spring months, so maybe it's appropriate that we go out on wondrous flowers, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Is that a good segue? I think so. Yeah. Okay. This is uh, wondrous flowers by uh, Puff Pieces. Uh, Amanda and Mike. This was a. A fun time, and I thank you for it, and uh, I wish you the best of luck with everything. Thank you. Thank you. That was fun.
There you go. Brand new music by Puff Pieces from Washington, D.C. That is from their new album, Bland in D.C. The song you just heard was Wondrous Flowers. And you can learn more about the band at puffpieces.bandcamp.com or at store.loveit.com. Love It Records. Thanks again to Amanda and Mike for being on the show. I enjoyed that one. I hope you did too. I hope all of you listening enjoyed that conversation and we'll check out Puff Pieces because they are cool. I like them. Hey, if you want to listen to this show, you have a myriad options to do so. I don't know what option you're choosing right now. Uh, You probably have an option that you like, but uh, just in case you wanted to know about more options or tell other people about their options in life, you can. Uh, The show is available on iTunes, audioboom.com, vishkana.com, and probably other places too. You can make a flexible monthly donation to the program at patreon.com. The show is on Facebook. It's on Twitter, at Vish Creative with a K. A version of the show airs every Wednesday at noon, Eastern Standard Time, on CFRU.ca around the world, and in Guelph on CFRU 93.3 FM. So check out the show and tell people about the show. Some exciting stuff coming up. I have to confess that as I speak to you, I'm super bummed because the All Tomorrow's Parties festival that Drive Like Jehu was uh, curating just got canceled about a week out and I was going. I had my pass and it's a whole fiasco. I don't want to go into it right now, but they suffice to say they moved the festival from one country to another country, which is always a bad sign. That's always in the industry, in the music industry, that is known as a bad sign when a festival has to move to a different country within a month of when it was supposed to happen and I didn't know where my hotel room was they didn't tell me uh, if I had a hotel room so I didn't book my flights which worked out for the best because they ended up canceling the whole damn thing but it's a drag as you know some of you know I'm a huge Drive Like Jehu fan they curated this amazing thing and I just want to send more of my regards to John Reese and, and Rick Froberg and everyone in Drive Like Jehu for the amazing curatorial feat uh, they put together there with that festival. It's just a real shame it's not happening and I don't get to go to England and that's fine. I'm kind of tired. I'm going to stay home. Suffice to say, uh, I get to make more of these episodes and uh, the show and uh, you can hear more of them and there's lots of exciting stuff coming up in the next little while. So stay tuned. Follow the show on all the things I mentioned uh, moments ago and uh, keep keep listening. Thank you for listening. And that's all I have to say for now. It is my dad's birthday on April 23rd, so if you want to send him something, it's kind of weird, but let me know, and I'll pass it along. Okay, thank you very much. Talk to you soon. Bye for now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.